0: So hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Unlock DeFi podcast. Like today, we're, we're having someone really special. We're sort of doing our first cause-related interview episode with with Mike here, representing the Syngap Research Fund. So Mike, do you want to give like a, like a brief intro about you? And then we can start sort of talking about it.
1: Sure, Jack. Thanks for, so much for having me. Uh, My name is Michael Gralia. I run the SYNGAP research fund, which is a 501c3 charity in the US that has sister organizations in the UK and Canada and and other countries where we um, work day and night to accelerate therapies for kids who've been diagnosed with SYNGAP1, which is a super rare neurological disease um, that is genetic, meaning there's a typo in the genes. But a lot of people hear genetic and think it's inherited, which is not true. Right. Some, you know, when we're created, we all have little typos that happen in our genome, and most of them happen in places that don't matter. But kids with rare genetic diseases, that typo happened in on important genes, and as a result, they have this disease. So, without double clicking too much on the science, um, my son and eight hundred and eighty three other kids around the world have this disease. We, we as an organization, count this and take the number very seriously, and um, yeah, that's what I do. So I run this organization as a volunteer. I used to have a I used to have a day job, and actually I did some blockchain research a few only a few years ago. But right now, what I do day and night is work as a volunteer for SRF to um, raise money and accelerate therapy therapy therapeutic development for our kids.
0: That's that's absolutely incredible. So so um uh, some of our viewers might know and some of them might not. So so um, the first cause that we're targeting as Unlock Defi is is syngap. And we will be donating at least at least 3% of the revenue from our first products to Mike's uh, research fund, the Syngap Research Fund. And the reason we chose that is because as a team, we personally know a family near and dear to our hearts uh, whose child was recently diagnosed with Syngap. It absolutely breaks our hearts. And, uh, and we wanted to do something, okay? And that's why we chose this as our first. And, and by coincidence, Mike is a perfect person to, to be the first person for us to interview because he does have a blockchain background as well. So, so Mike, do, do you want to talk a little bit about your background b- before starting work at Syngap One uh, for the research fund?
1: Sure, sure. It'd be my pleasure. So my background is um, everything from Peace Corps to business school, to the World Bank, to the Gates Foundation. And um, so strong, like international development focus. And then the coolest job, one of the coolest jobs I've ever had was I got recruited um, to lead a group at New America, which is a very, very good bipartisan think tank in D.C., w- mm. to answer the question, how can we use technology to accelerate international development? And as part of that, I got I, I, I double clicked on okay, let's let's work on property rights. And I won't tell you why property rights are important, but they really are. And Absolutely. I jumped right right jumped right down the rabbit hole on um, blockchain and property rights. Right? And I mean the, the 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 quickie there is, wouldn't it be nice if we had immutable ledgers? So in places where things get where, where if a building burns down, you lose your deed, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's useful. But then there's also like, I wrote a paper about Ukraine and <clears throat> it'd be really good for Ukraine to have all we, of their property rights on, on, on
0: episode three this morning, I just interviewed two Solana developers in Ukraine. <laughs>
1: right, because the thing about Ukraine, I say this paper is they got Russia next door who, who invades them every couple of decades, right? And so it's really good to have your property records on chain. But there's all these cool reasons. And I wrote a paper that's actually MIT published about um, blockchain and property rights back in 2018. But at the end of that year, closer okay. to what you guys are up to, I realized that putting polygons on chain, Yep. Not that hard, frankly. It's math. It's not even a math problem. It's just, you just do it. Yep. What's really hard is putting natural people on chain, right? Mm. How do you connect? How do you connect Jack and Mike yes. to a token? Like, what yep. do you do? What, a, how do you, and, and I mean, I can talk about this for hours, but I spent like <laughs> three months really trying to understand this and separate yes. the fluff from like the really hard work and cool technology that's being developed. And I wrote a paper um, called The Hammer Finds a Nail. Yeah I really I'll link
0: I'll link that below as well yeah, yeah.
1: it's it's a, it's it's awesome so i was really having fun and i could have probably spent the rest of my career in the blockchain rabbit hole but <laughs> as that was happening um yeah. i live in, i live in california and i was working for a dc think tank my son got sicker and sicker and the thing with Syngap and you know the family you, you know probably had a similar experience when our kids are born they they just look perfect and and um, it takes 3 or 4 years Sometimes more, sometimes less, but normally three or four years for it to become very clear that our kids are very sick, and then they start, mm. and then they start having seizures, and then it, it just keeps going. And right. my son, and at that point, when I was working on this blockchain stuff, um, it became very clear that my son was very ill. So, and okay. me flying to D.C. all the time wasn't helping. So I, I, right. I left that job for a, a, a lighter job here in town, and and started the foundation. And then it just became clear after a year that the work of the foundation was um, so much. And so SynGAP Research Fund took over and, and we're very fortunate. My wife is an investor. And so I said, okay. baby, you're in charge of making the money. I'm going to give yeah. it all away. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. So the SynGAP Research Fund is, is um, it, but it's not Mike's fund, to be clear. It's a, it's a US public charity. Of course. We have 14 families on our board. We, we have- Yes, it's, it's the fund
0: that Mike is representing today on, on yes, our sorry. podcast. Sorry, I just don't want anyone to think this is a
1: one-man show. There's, a, there's, a, there's an army of parents working hard to change the future for our kids. Because you know, you mentioned the family, you know, they're a little heartbroken. Yeah. <clears throat> Until something changes, the future is heartbreaking. This disease is yeah. not good.
0: I, I know and I, I completely agree. And there's a few things I just picked out from what you said just now, but but yeah, there's there's so many uh, diseases and genetic disorders out there, especially the rare ones that aren't getting um a lot of funding to find cures. And some of those cures, you know, might be closer than people think if if we only had sort of the dedication and time and manpower and and funding to go after them. Right. And and uh, especially with some of the more medical technologies sort of emerging as being like very very usable, like CRISPR and, and other related things, like I feel like I really feel like some of these genetic disorders will be cured in the next few decades, right? And uh, um, you know obviously we don't know if one will be one of those, but but we sure hope that that donating to to a fund like the SYNGAP Research Fund will will move us a lot closer to that point. And uh, let, me, let me just backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about what you mentioned about the blockchain. And then we can dive deeper sure. into to what SYNGAP1 is so people can sort of understand more about the disease. And, and also just to give you a little bit of my background, uh, you know, my interests are extremely varied. Uh, I've studied two years and I'm a licensed uh, massage therapist. I actually uh, spent a year training to become a doctor of physical therapy before I dropped out to do this full time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I love medicine. I, I am happy to double click and go as deep into the medicine and science as you wish i, I sure. love that stuff uh i've you know i've read research papers and stuff like that absolutely brilliant and uh but anyway Ooh, is my feed a little bit uh no see. you're
1: good you're good okay yeah. there.
0: so so yeah so so property rights this is this is, this is amazing because just uh yesterday or the, or the day before i was talking about this on a twitter space to like you know 20 30 40 people i forget how many were in the room. And just this idea of uh, sort of from a legal standpoint, when, when most people buy and sell NFTs, you're just buying the artwork. You're not getting much of the, the copyright or, or the licenses like attached to the artwork. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you can't. Right. It, it's sort of um, dependent on, on what the creator wants to grant you when when you buy the NFT. There are some secondary marketplaces like Soci now that allow you to attach the, the copyright directly to the NFT when it's minted. So whoever buys it um, has that right. Um, and there are some other creators who just explicitly write on their website or, or publicly announce that that is what they plan to do, that when you buy this, this piece, you have a certain level of copyright. And, and that is something that our company, uh, Unlock DeFi, stands for as well. Like if you look at sort of our, our slogan on our uh, Twitter page or something like that, we basically say, uh, decentralized ownership and empower communities. And, and you know, donations definitely help empower communities. But for decentralizing ownership, what we plan to do with our 3D buildings that, that we're selling Uh, 3D animated beautifully hand modeled randomly generated buildings with, with soundscape is that we are giving you full commercial copyright with each of the buildings that you buy what we mean by that is you'll be able to download the 3D models you'll be able to use that any way you want you can make your own nfts put them in your video games put them in your own metaverses, do anything you want and sell those things full commercial rights because we believe that in this world in which you know if you look at the smart stock market 90% of value is now intangible and we're going to a future where most of the things we own is digital you need to be able to own that right legally speaking and we want to move towards that future also on the deed issue you brought up yeah that's sort of like an example I've been giving as well Um, you know there have been some of these uh, countries uh, you know maybe like Ukraine but definitely in in the Middle East as well where you know the 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 courthouse or whatever that stores the files burns down or, or, you know, a fraction of the government takes over and refuses to sort of, uh, uh, acknowledge that you own your land or you lo- own your house. And if we at least sort of, um, upload those records onto the blockchain and those can be sort of, uh, validated across the entire world, you know, at, at least the government can't deny that they're stealing it from you. Right. At least there's some proof that you've owned this for, for that many years. But anyway, I don't want to dig too much into the blockchain because we want to focus on SYNGAP for sure. So, so Mike, let, let's start like from like very basic, uh, overview and just talk about, okay. So if I've never heard of SYNGAP1 yeah. before, yeah. Like, like what is this disease? And, totally. and yeah.
1: totally. So it's, it's a gene. It's a gene in, you know, we all have, like I, like I said, we all, we all have two copies of every gene, one from mom and one from dad. Yep. And there's a lot of neurological genes so the the, the 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 next two minutes of what i'm going to say applies to a number of rare neurological genetic diseases yes. right and, and and actually that's good because there's different kinds and, and broadly speaking we have two copies of every gene and if you're have a if you have a blockchain focused audience we all understand redundancy right yeah so thank god we have two copies because our kids there's a typo in one and as a result of that typo most of those genes um, the code like the the, the DNA letters are the code, and, and the, the RNA is sort of the compiler. And, and the, the output, the program, is, is the protein, right? So yep. basically, one of those typos in the code results in a premature stop of the program, and therefore the program doesn't work. So, it, you know, right. the analogy that's the analogy. And then in real life, what's happening is there's a typo, you have a truncated um, protein resulting from one of those copies of the gene. And as a result, the body says, oh, that, that's weird, and just chews it up and spits it out. And mm-hmm. as a result, then SYNGAP1 falls into this category of haploinsufficiency, and haplo is like half, right? So our yep. kids have half the necessary protein, and for some haploinsufficient, and for some disease, for some genes, that's not a big deal as long as you have half, the body still can make it work. For right. kids with SYNGAP, and SCN1A, and SDXBP1, and a lot of other diseases, half is not enough, and as a result, okay. they have they have this the re- they have a neurological haploinsufficiency, which, which is like this disgusting cocktail of maladies that start with epilepsy and, and then you go to intellectual disability, right? So they're going to, they struggle with seizures, which means a lot of horrible medications. Then they have intellectual disability. They're slow. They get, someone's got to take care of them. Then they have behaviors because the way they understand the world and the way they respond to the world does not work for the world. And so you have a huge number of problems there. They have trouble sleeping because that's when our brains build and clean and things. And then they also have muscular issues because the brain controls the body. And, and the way it was explained to me by one of my physical therapists is like your son's just not getting enough cycles. Like the muscles aren't getting mm. trained enough to learn how to do what they're doing. And that's why he can't pick things up. That's why he can't run. That's why he's yeah. intoed. That's why he will hunch over over time because the front of his body's not getting strong. His muscles aren't getting strong enough. So he's using his, his skeleton to hold himself mm. up, right?
0: Yes, his skeleton ligaments yeah. bones, yeah.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. all that. So essentially, The way to think about it is SYNGAP1 is a critical part of the brain. It is in the, and to double click on that, like a synapse, right? We have the presynaptic density and the postsynaptic density. SYNGAP1 is the second most common gene protein in the postsynaptic density, which basically means synapses don't work without SYNGAP1. And so our kids... Spend their whole lives struggling under the weight of intellectual disability, epilepsy, and it's not our kids because they don't even, they can't really take care of themselves, right? So the right. families and the society, everybody, when a kid is when a child receives a SYNGAP one diagnosis, the entire family and community is affected, and right. yeah, that's it. And 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 the reason to be hopeful, like not just we're going to raise yes. a bunch of money and do this, right? Yes. There, there, there's 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 at least three reasons to be hopeful that SYNGAP one can be cured in the near future, and I want to okay. make sure your friends hear this, and I make sure everyone hears this. I love it. I love it. Number one, it's a haploinsufficiency, right? So we yep. have a backup copy. I have friends in the rare disease space who their children have a different disease where both copies of the gene are messed up. They're in, they have a much harder solution. They need to send something in to go in and, and fix those copies. That's like really advanced. All we need to do, all we need to do is <laughs> go in and make the, make the good copy work harder, right? Okay. So right now okay. the good copy makes things lasts makes a certain amount of things that lasts a certain amount of time Mm. if we can either make that make twice as many things Mm. or make the things that it makes work twice as hard right we would solve we would fickle we would fill the 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 missing part right right right, right? right. um and that's and what's nice about that is every kid has a different typo but every kid has the same good copy so going in and fixing the typo means i got to do a different medicine for each mutation, which basically means a different medicine for each child, which from a, a scientific yeah. and a cost and a regulatory perspective is a nightmare. Or I can just right. go in and say, how do I make good copy SYNGAP work better? So reason one, we can be hopeful. That's that's achievable right now. Actually, okay. the, the science around making the good copy work harder, we actually have that. It's what the harder part is a delivery problem. How do mm. we get it into the brain, right? If this was a matter of, of the heart or the kidney or the lung or the liver, or whatever, inject it. Right. This is why you're seeing right. a lot of genetic therapies for the eye right now. Really easy to stick a needle in the eye, right. really hard to stick a needle in the brain. Of course. So, so. so delivery is, is a more pressing problem. So, step one, it's a haploid insufficiency, so it's targetable. Step two, I mentioned up front, we have 883 patients. That's actually a lot of patients for rare disease. I talk to groups right. who have 10, 50, less than 100, much harder for them to get industry to pay attention. What we know is that we have found 883. And I, I'll just give you an example, you know, like in, in a number of countries. I'm thinking yep. of Russia. I'm thinking of China. I'm thinking of um, Poland, where we have made contact with a family, and okay. then we've started talking to them, and they've got on local social media, and we start to pull that thread. Yeah, we very quickly go from one to five to forty diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Right, it, you just okay. you just find these little populations of who course aren't connected. Yeah, and and that's and that tells you how many patients are out there. So we know from our own counting, there's 883 people we can find. Yes, and we know from some um, some of the literature that. Yes. The, the predicted incidence of this disease is actually suggests that there's thousands and thousands of these of these of these uh, mutants out there. And then the question is, well, where are yeah. they? And the answer is, they're either sitting in a medical warehouse, like they've been diagnosed with epilepsy or autism, they've been given a drug, and they're just sitting there, or right. there's a bunch of them who have a pretty mild phenotype, meaning uh, their presentation mm. is not so severe, and they're they're either right. th- they're undiagnosed and therefore undertreated, or they're somehow managing, right? And then there's a, and there's a harsher answer, which is actually because that number that would say, which is six per hundred thousand conceptions, right? The, the, there is there's solid genetics from some of the best geneticists in America. I'll share the link with you. That says, sure, <clears throat> six per hundred thousand conceptions are syngabian. So you're you're like the math there is huge. There's there's thousands of them. Where are they? Either right. their phenotype is mild and we're not catching them, right? Or their phenotype is severe and they're just not getting diagnosed because genetic diagnosis is a problem or their phenotype is so severe and they're actually just not getting born,
0: right? Mm, okay.
1: They, they, it's just not viable. So it's hard, but, but we, so, so one, it's a haploinsufficiency, so it's targetable. Two, there's a lot of patients for this gene. So we, 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 we believe that, and we are seeing that industry is paying attention. And then um, <clears throat> three, within the world of haploinsufficiencies, the granddaddy is this other terrible genetic epilepsy called Dravet. And when i was diagnosed and we were learning about this space everyone was like look they're going to they're going to cure Dravet first and okay. then they're going to go to the other genes and it's going to take five years but then they're going to they're going to start working on other genes well fast forward three years three and a half years okay there are like four or five drugs in development for Dravet. Dravet mm-hmm. is and, and everything i just told you about one copy is good one copy is bad kids have seizures etc all of that is true for Dravet. okay so much has happened for Dravet in the past three and a half years that drug companies are now saying hey we have this technology You want to work on genetic epilepsies. Let's go work on Dravet. And then they sit back and they're like, whoa, there's a lot of people working on Dravet. That's going to be competitive. What else can we work on? Right. And then, and, and, and time and again, because my phone rings when they figure this out. Yes. Time and again, they're like, huh, SynGAP1. That actually makes sense. A lot of patients, very similar biology, very similar chemistry. Let's go after it. And then, so your question should, to me, should be, well, Mike, you don't need my money, right? Because we just, these companies are interested. And My answer is no, dude, because yeah. the problem is all these companies have their own shtick, right? And they've all got five or six genes that they're going after. Yeah. But then, so what we as the fund are doing now is we're not going to postdocs and begging them to work on our gene because people are working on our gene. What we're doing is we're looking at right. where where everybody fails and where everybody fails mm. is the end of the race, right? So they okay. prove it in the dish, They yeah. stick it in mice. They stick it in yeah. patient models, which is little cell lines. And then they have to, design a clinical trial, measure progress, deal with the FDA, get it approved. And that right. is where things can go so wrong. So all the money, we're, all the work we're doing right now, like next week, I'm going to put out a press release. We just gave $300,000 to Harvard to study this disease, to work with EEGs and to say, what are you going to measure? Cause yeah. remember these kids aren't just showing up all the same. They're all yeah. showing up different. They're all on different cocktails of heavy hitting drugs. And yet, what we have to do is design a trial where we're going to put another drug into them. Wouldn't be ethical to take their current drugs away because that would cause seizures, right? So we right. have to put another drug into them, and then we have to measure something. What the do you measure in a kid who's seizing, drugged up, can't speak? <laughs> yes, it's a really hard question. So what we're doing oh my right gosh. now is we're spending money on the enabling environment, right? We're making yeah. sure that. Whoever, whichever of the different labs and companies is thinking about Syngap, when they get ready to say, hey, we want to do this, we've done everything we can to make it feasible for them to do a trial.
0: Uh, yeah I, I absolutely love what, what you just said so so two, two things I just kind of picked out and relating to, to my company is that you're saying that um with gervais it, it's it's they've done uh, several years of development on these drugs and it's promising and there's multiple companies working on them yeah. and so some of these companies or, or new entrants into the space are thinking maybe sync app is the better place to go and deploy our resources just like my company decided to to go and deploy on <clears throat> on solana instead of ethereum yeah. and uh, also Uh, sort of um, choosing where to spend your time and your money most efficiently, it sounds like you're trying to identify uh, pain points in sort of this this process of of getting this drug all the way from development through testing to through approval. And you're seeing that, okay, this is where we can spend our resources the best to to speed up that process. And that is something that, you know, I've started noticing a lot in sort of my space as well, with these uh, developers trying to target the, the pain points of you know people who make NFTs and stuff, and building these tools so that so that we can speed that along. So I, I feel like um, a lot of these things you're talking about are very easy to understand for people, and you're doing a great job explaining them. And and yeah, it, I mean, it sounds very promising to me. And I, you know, I I would never make the mistake of saying that you know something like this does not need funding like of of course it needs funding and you know i'm telling you the fans like i know things like this they they need as much help as they can get okay you know i i you know i you know at at the university when i was studying to become a physical therapist you know we've we've had uh, research classes i was working on a research project you know some of those steps and getting approval takes a long time okay a long time and a lot of effort and and also knowing how to uh, have the right contacts and how to phrase things and, and things of that nature. So, so, so beautiful. Um, c- can I ask you, so, so you said that uh, um, some of these uh, drugs, uh, they're sort of failing at the last step. Is that related to the blood-brain barrier at all, or is, is that something else?
1: It's a good question. The, so the way we get around the blood-brain barrier, so what we're talking about is genetic therapies that have, that are, that are built at great expense, right? This is not like, you know, like the Tylenol that you and I take and the whatever, that's just API, other goo goo, stick it together and make a lot of tablets, super cheap. What we're talking about is stuff that's, that's created in a lab with high, high specificity that goes in and edits genes, very mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the Tylenol that you took, that you and I take, or the acetaminophen or whatever people take for pain, it goes in the mouth, through the gut, through the liver, and then a small fraction of it makes it to the brain, right? Because right. everything we stick in the mouth goes right. through the liver. The, the cost of the drugs that we're talking about for our kids, that's not an option right? You, you, you can't do that. So the I way see. that we will deliver these drugs is we will, and, and I'm not making this up. Like they've done this for spin, rot, they've done this for um, SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. They've done this for Batten's disease, which is, a, which is similar in that it's hapline sufficiency, but worse in that it's um, those children actually die from the disease. So you, you, you take the patient, you, you do a lumbar puncture and our, our lower back is bigger than our upper back, which you, which you know, right? So you, you yes. do the puncture in the bottom of the spine. And then you hope to God that the medicine goes up the cerebral spinal, up the spinal column into the brain. And then you have a delivery, a spread problem, right? How do you get it from the bottom of the back of the brain at the occiput where it comes in to to cover the whole brain. And that's why you use a viral vector. And literally they started taking patients and turning them upside down. What
0: What is a viral vector?
1: So before I mentioned that delivery is a problem, right? So this cargo, yeah. which is yeah. we're going to go in and we're going to edit SYNGAP, the good copy of SYNGAP1 to work harder, but then yeah. there's the delivery mechanism and the delivery mechanism is called an, an, uh, a viral vector. And basically yeah. what you're doing is you're taking a virus, you're taking the stuff that the virus normally does out, you're sticking right. your cargo in and you're giving your kid a shot and then, you have, and then you're letting that virus spread. And that's how we solve the Beautiful. spread problem, yeah. the virus spreads. But there's a lot of challenges with viral vectors that include, it's a virus, so until we figure out how to t- turn it off, um, the body will have an immune response. So, you, which means you get one shot, right? Mm. So if you give them too little medicine, oh gosh, that's scary. <laughs> you, if it doesn't work. If you give them too much medicine, yeah. maybe you kill them. So, like that's tricky. Oh wow. And then there's and then there's um there's also a spread problem and there's also a size problem. So so the most the there were people are working on other viral vectors right now, but the one that they've used before for SMA is uh, called AAV9. And the okay. trouble with AV9 is that its cargo hold is about 4,000 BPs and, or which I think means base pairs and SYNGAP1 is 4,032 base pairs. long, Ooh. So we can't shove it in there. So then we start looking at other strategies like mini genes, which is where you say, okay, what if we just chop out the middle and stick on the ends or yeah. other things that go in and, and affect the epigenetics of SYNGAP1. And the epigenetics are things outside the gene that regulate the gene. Right. So ma- even if we can't, directly edit that wild type that that good copy of the gene can we go in and find something that that is like syngap's boss and tell that boss to make syngap work harder So i mean and then you very quickly go into like it's it feels like sci-fi but there's when when i'm talking about this stuff i'm not making stuff up because i read i read science last night right every time i say something it's because there's a scientist or a lab or a grant where i know someone's actually doing this right which is super exciting and and totally exhausting
0: yeah, that, that's amazing. I'm already getting ideas on how to incorporate this into our lore and our story behind our, our project, uh, because we, we are building sort of a futuristic uh, sci-fi uh, situation that we, we haven't released too many details of. But, but yeah, you know, that, that's, that's incredible. I, I wanted to ask a little bit about um, the diagnosis and incidence. So, so, so I, I noticed that, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it, at least in terms of people that we found with SYNGAP1 and in terms of diagnosis, uh, the, the majority, or, or at least uh, the biggest portion was in the U.S. and second biggest was in England. Is that right? Yep. yep. Okay. And, and do you think that that's possibly due to um, some other countries, maybe not having the ability to, to diagnose this or, you know, like, is it possible that the largest pocket of SYNGAP1 patients are in, a, in, a, in another country?
1: I think that SYNGAP1 patients are, it, it is a function of incredibly bad luck, yeah. right? My son had to, had to win the lottery like three times in a row is the same odds of him having this mutation, right? Right. So... So the, to answer your question head- on, I I don't think, that it's, it, I don't think it varies by, by race or geography. I, okay. I think it varies by um, proximity to both the technical ability and the clinician willingness to test. So okay. literally, like, if you think about your doctors, right, m- most of the time I'm guaranteed to annoy somebody by saying this, but I'm still going to say it Most of the time, like, you want an old doctor who really knows what they're doing to walk in the room. And if you see a young doctor, you're like, are they good Yeah. with genetics? It's the opposite because sometimes old doctors will walk in and they will say what was true when they trained, which is, it it might be genetic, but we shouldn't do a test because it's going to be expensive. Insurance isn't going to pay for it. You probably won't find anything. And even if you do, there's nothing we can do with that. Right. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that was true. But unfortunately there's a lot of clinicians who trained back then that are still saying that and don't think let's look for a genetic cause. Whereas mm-hmm. the younger clinicians know the truth, which is nowadays there's really cost-effective ways of doing testing, yes. right? Um, there are things, there's full whole exome and whole genome sequencing, which has like a 40% yield, which means 40% of the time when we do those kind of tests on kids who are presenting like our kids, we're going to find something. Wow. But even if you can't afford the, you know, and that cost curve is just like so much in tech is just collapsing. It used to yeah. be thousands and years and now yeah. it's, and now it's, you know, 8,000 maybe, Right. Not hundreds to do whole exome sequencing, but there's even cheaper options like um, uh, a genetic epilepsy panel, which means we know the 400 genes that are most likely to cause epilepsy in kids. So if you have a kid who's seizing, let's give them the epilepsy panel. That's like 250 bucks private pay. So even insurance won't pay for it. The smart thing, there's programs that will pay for it, but even if you can't find those, just pay the 250 bucks. Of course. because getting that answer is life-changing, right? Like yeah. once, once you know what you, what specific gene you have, you go from this wasteland of my kid is a little weird, they do a bit of this, they do a bit of that and talking to endless specialists and not knowing yeah. it, to being connected with the doctors and the researchers and the families who know exactly what your kids got because their kids are the same and working together. So the, the, to answer your question, it's like, but you've got to be in a country where genetic testing is available, right? Because it's, it costs more to ship a sample yes. to another country. So I saw this in Poland. Yes. We were getting low numbers in Poland. All the Polish kids were diagnosed in Germany, right? So their samples were sent to Germany, time and expense. They built a genetic sequencing lab in, in Poland. Guess what? We found a lot mm. more kids in Poland. Of course. And I also see that in the US, like in Texas, where I have, I think, 27 SYNGAP patients. Yeah. Most of those patients live really close to one of the two medical centers. Uh, of course. Of That's course. because those kids are getting more care from more clinicians who are in an academic yeah. setting that say, let's do testing. Right. This, this reminds
0: me of like the, the funny story about a person late at night who drops his keys and is searching for it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, y- you ask him, hey, you know, why are you searching here? Even though you dropped your keys somewhere is. else, it's because, you know, oh, this is where the lights are, right? So exactly. it's like, it's like, we're only able to search near where these, uh, 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 right. you know, cl- clinics are and where these clinicians are. And we're not finding all the ones in, in the darker spots around the world.
1: That's a hundred percent right, Jack. It's, it's, and it's heartbreaking because, you know, what this means is, you know, in India, I've got two diagnosed patients in China. I've, I'm told we have at least 40. Both of those numbers are absurdly low.
0: Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me, but it doesn't make any sense (laughs) that I have
1: two in India and I have 250 in the U S. Right.
0: So, so is that something that we are working towards helping as well? Or, or is that sort of um, something that maybe becomes party after we have the cure?
1: Very, very, very good question. So there's, there's two answers to that. First of all, it's a meta-level problem, right? Yeah. It's, um, it, you've gotta, you have gotta get every clinician, every pediatrician to think, could this be genetic? Should I order testing, right. right? Step one, so you gotta change this. Step two, like I said up front, people confuse genetic with hereditary. Right. And, and, in certain, and in certain families, like I'm Italian, what do you mean my kid has a genetic disease? We're Italian, right? Yeah. Same thing in, 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 in a lot of other cultures. Like the family's yeah. like, we don't know, even if we have a genetic disease, we don't want the, yeah, not, China, nothing wrong with our family.
0: Yeah, China has some stigma attached to it as well. So yes.
1: So so there's you have to get past the clinician, you have to get past the family, and then you have to get past the socioeconomic issues. Where is it, where is it paid for, who's covering it, whatever. As soon as we get a therapy, though, one of the most powerful arguments against genetic testing goes away, which is mm. even if we find it. Right. So what? Right. And today my answer is, look, these kids are incredibly complicated. My child is seven. He has 7,000 pages in his medical record. Right. So these kids are incredibly complicated. And if you have no idea what you're dealing with, it's harder. So as soon as you get in touch with a community of people who have the other 800 kids like yours, we can share and compare notes on how to take care of them. Step one, step two, the mental health of the families is huge. And so once you find other families who have been through what you've been through, that that's important for the parents. But frankly, the payers don't care about either of the two things I just said. But what the payers are saying is, why would I cover genetic testing right. if it's not if there's nothing to do with that information? Right. And But once we have a therapy where we're saying, look, here's an ASO, yeah. right? that thing that will go into the brain and make the, make the good copy work harder. And this ASO, antisense oligonucleotide, it is going to cost whatever it's going to cost. right? The more patients we find, the cheaper it'll get. Let's say $100,000. And he's like, oh, $100,000, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, not really between the, the seizure meds and the yep. therapies and the hospital yep. stays and all the other yep. interventions, this child right here is going to cost society at least a million dollars, if not more in yeah. the course of their life. This, this is
0: something that I try to make clear, like all, all the time, like, like you know, an ounce of prevention is worth, uh, you know, a pound right. in the flesh later, right? Like if we can get to some of these treatments and, and also like alleviation uh, sort of therapies before, yeah. you know, we, we can save the family, but also society, like, you know, a hundred times the cost sometimes in the, in the long run. Right. So yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's genetic tests testing and finding patients is hard, but honestly, I mean, Jack, you know, you talk about technology, AI, yeah. man. I. They, so our kids Let's present go. with what's called <laughs> our kids, pre- no Facebook's AI. I mean, I know Facebook's yeah. doing a lot of crazy stuff right now, but listen to this. Yeah. So our kids present with absence seizures and absence seizure is, is what's known as a staring spell, right? So if you see a two-year-old or three-year-old just staring off and then coming back, that can be. That could be. They were zoning out, and that could be an absent seizure and a normal absent seizure. They'll zone out for five seconds while their brain is seizing. That you won't okay. see their body convulse, but you'll, their brain is seizing, mm, okay. and then they'll kind of be out of it for a minute while the hard drive reboots. Syngapians are weird in that they'll do the zone out, yeah. But then their 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 um their post ictal phase, the 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 far the part where their brain reboots, it is really fast, which means okay. they have a staring spell and they come right back ah and so it, people so, are going to miss it yes you look at them exactly people yeah. miss our kids all the time and but there's groups on on facebook right there's people there's parents who figured out my child has an absence seizure and we go into the absence seizure group I, we have parents who literally sit in the absence seizure group and yeah. just sit there and yeah. then when someone says hey this is weird or hey my kid just did this or hey here's a picture of my kid some of our parents will be like have you gotten genetic testing because right. your kid kind of looks like our kids and right. i have now i don't know i've lost track, but. a a handful of parents that we have gone out and found and said, dude, do genetic testing. And and we're at the point now where the reason I brought up Facebook, Facebook in this group is when someone says genetic testing or someone says, Hey, my, my child started having drop seizures or whatever. They will serve that post up to the people we've got out there fishing because Facebook knows that that my people are really triggered by like drop seizure, the words drop seizure or maybe testing or whatever. And We're doing everything we possibly can, Jack. We're all volunteers. No one's taking a paycheck. And I want to mention one more thing since you're donating. Um, We're all volunteer, right? From the top down, no one's getting paid. And uh, my family, which founded SRF, covers 100% of overhead. So when you're giving money to an organization, one of the questions you always have to ask is how much of this money is going to go to your work and how much of this money is going to go to rent and salary and overhead and all that stuff. And to be clear, like I'm sitting in my, in my home right now, working on my computers, there's no overhead there, but any overheads we do incur, website hosting, yes. lawyers, accountants, whatever, yes. our family pays that 100%, which means every single penny jack that your organization or any donor gives to SRF yes. will end up in a lab to help kids with SynGAP.
0: I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. I, I think that is very attractive to people who are trying to get the most impact out of their dollar. Yeah, right. I've seen a few other uh, or some other nonprofits do the same. So, so I want to make it clear, like, like, as a company, when, when you buy our products, you know, we're, we're donating maybe three to 4% of the revenue uh, towards the syncap Research Fund, but please go ahead and, and donate directly as well yourself right yeah. we, we will share donation links uh you know in some places or in social media or you know on this podcast and, and if you sort of identify with and you believe this is a cause worth supporting or, or future causes that you know i'll be interviewing on this podcast worth supporting go ahead you know pledge your own money and tell us that you've done so and you know we, we will be right there with you and and sort of um fighting this fight with you and uh and you know um well, one of the other questions I had, oh, do you want to say something?
1: Well, I want to say thank you for saying that. Um, yeah. I also want to let your l- listeners know, I don't know when you're going to drop this, but next week we okay. have a cool event that um, techies will love. Yeah. So one of our dads, um, amazing family, I'm not sharing anything that's not very public on their webpage. Sure. Um, their child is called Emmett. Yes. Very severe case, right? This child is, um, I think he's, I think Emmett's four now. Had so many drop seizures and a drop seizure because our kids progress. They go from <sighs> absence seizures to drop seizures, to tonic, clonic, et cetera. Mm. And sometimes I see kids not having, dro- so my son is seven. He hasn't had a drop seizure yet. But what, I, based on what I'm seeing, I would yeah. expect him to have one around 18, 19, 20. Okay. Poor Emmett has started having drop seizures when he was three, or okay. if not earlier. And this little boy stopped walking because he was so sick of falling down. So he was crawling and he was walking, started having drop seizures. He said, I'm done. I'm just going to crawl because the, the the fall is shorter, right? Yeah. And so this family has been through everything for poor Emmett. He's one of the most severe cases we have in the U S and dad is a, yeah. is a, a YouTuber. He does YouTubes on building your own computer. And he's a funny guy, he's a smart guy. It's called UFD tech. So last year he did like a 24 hour fundraising live stream for us. Um, just him being silly with all his followers raised like $40,000 helped us fund the <laughs> Nepi genetics grant this year. He's going big, man. He bought himself a <laughs> Tesla. We just, I, I'll share the pictures. They just wrapped the Tesla's beautiful. And he's yeah. going to drive. He's doing a cannibal run with two other dads yeah. from New York to L.A. to raise at least hundred grand for a project called RareBase, which is drug discovery. And what's 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 cool and geeky about it, aside from the fact he's a, you know, a tech video blogger, is he's live streaming the whole thing. So he's yeah. got cameras in the car, out of the car, and and he's got SIM cards for every major carrier in the U.S. So the the entire sixty-hour <laughs> drive across America is going to be yeah. live streamed. It's do you be- have do you have a link to that i, I could screen yeah.
0: share the website or something right now so people know what we're talking about but it, it's such such a cool idea i think
1: yeah. fun slash cball for cannonball so um okay uh, actually, i'll give you i'll give you a, a more traditional link if you want but it it's super cool and i mean th- but that shows you like we're at the point where whatever it takes we will do it because every penny gets turned into some postdoc in a lab working on making this happen faster right yeah that's yeah, it
0: absolutely so, so like, oh my God, it, it just, you know, I, I come from a, a outdoor endurance sports, massage therapy, physical therapy background. And, you know, I, you know, I've cycled across the country. I love running and hiking and it just breaks my heart. when when I, when I see just beautiful young children like this and just not able to walk, um just makes right. me cry. But, uh but yeah, so, so efforts like this is, is beautiful. And I, I think, you know, Um, sometimes when when people uh, find a cause you know maybe there's not that cool factor (laughs) or that you know sort of a passion that they identify with if if they don't themselves don't know anyone with the disease but in this case this is this is really cool right so so they're doing a a cannonball run in a tesla car and you know for people who don't know what a cannonball run is you know they're basically driving from from um, the the end of the country to the other end is that correct
1: yeah, they're driving from New York to LA. And if you go back to that other tab and you scroll down, um yeah. that's the the family. He's a YouTuber, right? So there's there's yeah. videos of him and his wife talking about their kid and what they're going through. And it's yeah. it's 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 pretty epic. And um, we have just started posting them today, but there's pictures of his Tesla and we've completely wrapped it. We've wrapped it in our colors, we stuck our logo on there, we oh, stuck beautiful. a QR code on there, and um, yeah. yeah, that hashtag UFDCure will will probably pull stuff up. But oh, beautiful. Yeah.
0: So, so we, we will, we will, uh, uh, share links to this, uh, donation as well. If, if you want to direct, uh, donate to the Cannonball Run, and this is, this is a passion that, that you identify with. But, but yeah, yeah, beautiful. So they're, okay, their targets to raise a hundred thousand. Um, let's see. And, and, and when, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just asking, like, like, when is the actual run itself?
1: October 6th. So Wednesday, next week, Wednesday to Friday, they're going to leave New York on Wednesday morning. In fact, they're probably going to be having drinks on Tuesday night in New York, if you want to go say hi. And, um, and then they will- drive. Oh
0: gosh, I, I will try. I will try.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, th- these are really special. So, so Brett and, and Peter and Kevin, they're yeah. all active volunteers, but they're all dads. And I think what's, you know, the other thing that's interesting about this to digress from the science for a second is the psychology yeah. of it. So we talked about there are certain societies, and I think all humans don't want to say there's something wrong with my bloodline, right? And there's nothing wrong with people's bloodline, to be clear. This is a spontaneous mutation, but people get confused about that. But, you know, I talk to one or two newly diagnosed families a week, and what what I hear again and again is I find myself talking to mom, and she's explaining to me how dad is having trouble accepting it. And it's an interesting thing there, right? Like the moms are closer to the babies, mm. so they're mm. it. They see faster that something's not right. But dads, were just like, no, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna power through. And yeah, they'll grow out of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's hard for dads to realize actually, no, and the, I, I can't muscle it. I can't fix it. I can't pay for it. Right. What I got to do is love this kid and support them Absolutely. until our collective effort is able to create a medicine to. To give them a better life right and yeah. what's cool about these three dads is they've been through that whole journey and they're all just all in i mean these these guys are i have tremendous respect and admiration for for um my fellows yeah. and gap dads especially these guys
0: yeah I, I i love you guys like um from from our team perspective like a, a lot of my team members are parents um a lot of them have daughters and um you know part of what we stand for like uh uh, if you look at the uh, logo of our, of our company, the, um, the O, it looks kind of like a keyhole. But mm-hmm. if you look a little bit closer, it's actually also a person with a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to us, that represents the, the children of the future that we're trying to build a better world for. Mm-hmm. Part of that is technological innovation and you know, spreading financial literacy. But part of it is also also contributing to, to wonderful causes such as this and you know we we just started as a company but from day 1 we have committed to to you know spend part of our revenue to to donate to causes with every project that we do you know regardless of profit right straight from straight from the revenue because that it is that important to me and uh, you know, I, I couldn't be happier to, to have you guys, or and to have syngab one as our as our first cause. I just wanted to ask like one last um, sort of more science question, and then we can mm, wrap up. Sure. So I, I had a question about like severity. Yeah. So can you can you talk a little bit about? Um, I, I know you've mentioned it before, but just sort of like the range of presentations of this disease, and also is this a disease that that um will will, will progress and get worse over time? Is this something that severely? uh, you know, reduces people's lifespans. Can you talk about things like that?
1: Yeah. So it doesn't, if you, well, since you're on my webpage, can you go to resources, movies up at the top? Yes. Movies. There you go. So we've made a few patient stories that if people want to just absorb, um, there's stories here about Carter, uh, which is the bottom, right? Um, my son is on the way bottom. Um, beautiful Kai is up there as a little girl, and okay. then the the there's, there's Amelia on the left, and these are all youngish kids, right. But then you see at the top there's a video about Karen. So yes. you know there's almost no adults diagnosed with this disease, but while someone was looking for a different uh, genetic issue, they they accidentally diagnosed Karen with syngap one last year at okay. the age of sixty five. Okay. So Karen's an amazing story, and and so the headline there is, no, this does not, this disease does not kill people. Okay. Um, our, our, our kids live long lives, but yes, it is progressive in the sense that the way I think about Singap is it's, it's part of the synapse. So let think of it as cement, right? If you're building a brick house and your cement isn't quite right, yeah. if it's a one-story house, it'd probably be okay,
0: yeah,
1: right? When you get up to 10 stories and your cement is not good, you probably have trouble. And that's exactly how you should think about our kids, right? So at the age of um, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, our kids are very sick. They have seizures they can't sleep they have behaviors um they're behind their peers intellectually it's a problem at the age of 20 30 40 it's all of that continues to grow because the brain keeps growing right and Mm -hmm. and all the synapses keep being built badly so you see you see seizures get worse you see the gap with peers get worse i have 20 year olds who are still intellectually like four-year-olds you see um the medications they're on get bigger and bigger you know when kids need seizure ch- med changes, it's really easy to get in with a pediatric neurologist and fine tune stuff. Right. Adults are much more likely to be given lots of heavy drugs and, and, and be more sedated. And so, and frankly, a lot of the developmental opportunities and needs for therapy, are, are it's too late when they're adults. And so right. it's gonna be even harder to, to help them. And, and what you see is right. in Karen's case, She's in a home. Her beautiful sister, who's on our board, goes and sees her every weekend, and and it's just amazing. So this is this is her sister Nancy pushing Karen, and and, and you can see Karen's happy. And I mean, this is this is a really wonderful story. Yeah. Um, but Karen is still playing with Crayolas in a coloring book, and she's sixty-five. Nice and. Um, and what was the point I was making? So, so scientifically, it is a progressive disease, in that our kids get harder and more complex, and and yeah. the burden of, and then you basically, I have a bunch of families who are afraid to die, because yeah. they're like, who's going to take care of my kid? Who's going to who's going to who's going to care this much? Who's going to know about all their issues? Who's going to understand what triggers them? Because most of them, including Karen, nonverbal, they cannot even tell you why they're upset. Right. Um, and this this poor woman. You're seeing some great vintage footage here. but She was put in a home at the age of six. Society just couldn't oh, even wow. handle her, yeah. and she was lobotomized as a teenager because that was all they had. They're like, "Well, let's try a lobotomy." <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, so we don't even know with Karen if she's indicative of where of where the future is going because you know she had this lobotomy. So um right, but she's still alive and cooking, and you can see she came she came from a lovely family, and they've 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 done nothing but take care of her. But frankly, not every family um, is probably going to be able to do as much as they did. And so what we're juxtaposing here is another one of our families in New York, who you might meet on Tuesday night, if you go for drinks, Um, and their little girl, and it's just the story of like, you know, what's Hannah's future going to be? And, and, and what can we learn about from Karen about? Yeah, to make sure that Hannah's future is, is different. It's, right and then so this was the trailer that you just ran but the, the yeah it's about a full movie it's long okay yeah. got and it it's, it's awesome
0: yeah so please please check out these links check out these videos these are amazing human stories and um if you like us like mike like myself like my company um believe that you know it is part of our duty as humans to try to make the world a better place you know some of these people are our people where uh, we can make a big difference right you know but by, by diagnosing earlier by getting a cure out earlier you know we can dramatically change lives yes um,
1: and 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 last point because we are a trailblazer because we're one of the genes that i i'm hopeful will happen after Dreve. yeah the work that we do isn't going to just help kids with syngap one right the work that we do is going to help kids with stx bp1 and, and and like this i can i can i can rattle off names of genes all day long but yeah we're, we're all friends right all these different parent yeah. groups support each other and collaborate in yeah. an effort to help everybody get there faster.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, this is sort of like the technological cost curve going down as well, yep, right? Exactly. Like, the, the, the more people that we find with genetic disorders that can be cured with a tool like this, and the, the more that this tool is being used and the cheaper it gets, like, it'll just exponentially, right? Just, just like how... Uh, more and more people are exponentially being brought into to blockchain and Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana and NFTs, and, and you can see that growth just shoot off like a rocket. Like the same thing can happen with the, the impact on, on diseases like this as well. And we've seen that in the past, okay? Like this is something that does happen. So so this is like the right time to try to fight this fight, okay? Yes. Because um, before that rocket takes off, this is where the hard work is done, <laughs> so uh, absolutely so so mike I, you know I, I know you have a hard stop soon so is there anything any last things you want to say or talk about or
1: i i, I just, have just a just a very sincere vote of thanks and i want to make the point that you know my board is all family members and my volunteers are all family members but yeah every single one of these families is somehow paying the bills yeah. and taking care of a very sick child and keeping their act together and really yeah. the way that um the way that this disease gets cured is yeah. when people like you yeah. and your listeners decide to give a darn and get involved and help. And, and I think some people are like, well, it's a random rare disease. First of all, rare is not that rare, but second of all, like the science that we're talking about. Yeah. Is going to help everybody because exactly, you know, what the, the, the innovations learning how to deliver these drugs, understand the, the, the point I make about our kids is it's not ethical to do to a human, to a human being, what, what nature and chance have done to these Syngapians. It's not, it yeah. would be totally wrong to take a baby and mess up their brain just to see what happens when you don't have enough Syngap. Right. And but fortunately, we don't have to. So from a societal point of view, if we want to improve Alzheimer's, if we want to improve schizophrenia, both of which have been associated with our gene, yeah. if we want to learn about how to use the genes in the body to make the human brain work better, our children, aside from presenting a moral imperative to help them, present an incredible opportunity to learn about these genes, to learn about these, how we can use these genes to help society more broadly. So it is, it, it it's not crazy to say, I'm going to choose to help advance science by helping these kids, because th- th- there are a lot of broad benefits that come. So, but it only happens when people like you, Jack, decide to care. So, so thank you for that. And for this, this interview.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Like a hundred percent, right? Like uh, by having targeted goals and targeted missions, like, you don't know what what progress and event advancements come out of that, you know, from, from having us, the U.S. having set a goal to go to the moon and achieving that, like, all the innovations and technologies that came out of that is innumerable, and a lot of the technologies we're developing for curing these diseases, like, we don't know what, what they will become in 10, 20, 30 years, right? The, the things that we're using right now to cure rare genetic disease, you know, that's going to help the general public in some way in the future, right? It definitely will. We just don't know how, but, but these investments, they will return value to society, tenfold, a hundredfold over. Uh, no doubt. Um, so, so thank you so much, Mike, for for joining us. You know, I, I love what you do. Um, maybe we will connect on email or talk more at a later date, but just thank you so much for coming and appearing on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later.
0: All right. Bye, Mike. Right, bye.